You are listening to us, Unscripted Stories, brought to you by Northwestern University's Multicultural Student Affairs. We are recording at the traditional homelands of the people of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Adawa, as well as the Menominee, Miami, and Ho-Chunk Nations. Welcome to another episode of Us Unscripted Stories. My name is Alicia Sawyer, pronouns she, her, hers, and I am a graduate assistant with Multicultural Student Affairs at Northwestern University. I'm excited to introduce our guest today, Mina. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Mina. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm currently um, an undergraduate senior studying Asian American studies and also um, human communication sciences, and I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you today telling your story, and May is Asian Pacific Islander Desi American Heritage Month. And this month, Unscripted Stories is centering APETA voices to honor the vibrancy, diversity, and resilience of the community, even as we grapple with ongoing injustice in 2021. Every story is precious, and we are celebrating and uplifting the narratives of Northwestern's APETA student community and the dynamic moments that have helped shape their identities and sense of self. We hope their stories can both inspire reflection and encourage you to honor your own narratives. So we have our first storyteller for APITA Heritage Month, Mina. Mina participated in our storyteller workshop to help inspire students to tap into their own narratives and tell their own stories. And now I'm gonna pass it off to Mina who has her own story to share. Thank you so much, Alicia. Um, so the story that I wanted to share was in spring quarter of freshman year. And during that time, I was living in Willard, which was um, a dorm, a residential college on campus. And so it was spring and the weather was, you know, beginning to warm up and people were starting to organize outdoor community events. And as a freshman, I was just kind of coming into my um, political awareness. I was also feeling really homesick and overwhelmed by Northwestern's schedule. And so it was for these reasons that I was really trying to find community at Northwestern, specifically people who cared about the same issues that I cared about. Uh, one day in spring quarter, I was walking back to my dorm from my intro to Asian Am Lit class. And then when I walked into my dorm, I saw this bright green flyer on the front door and it was advertising an event that read, quote unquote, Wuau Luau. And Wuau was um, what Willard residents called themselves what we called ourselves and it was decorated with neon green and these like blue palm leaves and so I was obviously shocked and then quickly in denial because there is no way that my dorm would host an event called a luau right like they wouldn't appropriate native Hawaiian culture like that and so I took a photo and I sent it to my friend group back home and then they were similarly confused and they were asking me who organized the event like whether there were any like Pacific Islanders or native Hawaiians involved in like the programming and they were even asking for the emails of the residential college people and yeah I was just incredibly confused but I didn't want to to jump to any conclusions. But later on, an email was sent to Willard residents confirming and deepening my fears. And so the email described more about the event and how they would use grass skirts and lays as photo props, um, include a hula dancing competition and encourage people to wear their Hawaiian shirts, etc. 
And so I quickly went from confusion and denial to feeling angry. And so I sent a picture of the flyer to my friends um, at the Asian Pacific American Coalition, which is a student group on campus. And on Slack, they were incredibly supportive and expressed their support by angry reacting to the photo on Slack and also sharing my frustration. And so that night, I emailed Willard's social chair, and in true Scorpio fashion, I sent out a two-paragraph-long email detailing the issues that I took with the event, such as, you know, the exotification of um, Hawaiian cultural objects and practices, and, you know, like the erasure of these histories of colonial colonialism faced by um, many Pacific islands, including Hawaii. And at the time, I did it because I was super angry and I didn't know how to get out my frustration. But little did I know um, or expect the kind of avalanche that it would start. So the email was circulated among their executive board and then it was forwarded to um, the residential college's um, residence director who reached out to me individually about meeting over the next few days. And I distinctly remember like being so angry and really wanting to get my point across that I skipped class that Thursday just so that um, I could have the time to meet with him because my schedule was really packed and also um, his schedule was really packed. And so the Thursday that I met with the residence director, I had really prepared a mental list of like the bullet points I wanted to touch on about why the event was um, wrong and racist. And I rehearsed the script in my head so many times and I ranted, ranted to several friends, you know, just to practice. And then I entered his office and I had never met this person before. And so like as a very small, shy freshman person, I was immediately intimidated and just like did not know what to do my, with myself. And a specific detail that I remember was paying attention to the large metal desk that he was kind of sitting behind. And like, on the other hand, the chair that I was sitting on seems so like fragile and unprotected and exposed. And I feel like that really reflects like my, my confidence going into the situation and kind of like how the conversation um, and how like the different power dynamics played out, you know, and so we just like made small talk and we just like introduced ourselves to each other. And then I proceeded to run through my mental speech and my bullet points, you know, despite stuttering and like and tearing up and stuff. And so the mental stress from that unloading caused me to like block out his response and so like now I only remember like certain bits and pieces just because I was so shocked after like what I had felt at the time was a high stress situation. But um, what I do remember is that he pulled the flyer out on his desktop and then he talked about like Luau Luau's long history in the Willard residential community since 2003. And I remember that he voiced sympathy in the beginning and he was shaking his head saying that oh, it was like completely inappropriate and how he didn't see the full details of the event until my email, so he wasn't fully aware. Um, after, however, um, he began to question me. I distinctly remember him saying something along the lines of like, oh, I think we're gonna have to push back on what counts as appropriation. And he was like, is a grass skirt around a table appropriative? Are sunglasses appropriative? And without having the words at the time, you know, like I now recognize these, tactics and like the specific way in which he was talking to me as like gaslighting as like white fragility as manipulation and so I was stunned and I didn't know how to respond because I didn't have that awareness at the time so I only remember thanking him for his time and leaving 
in a way, ultimately, a happy ending slash resolution did come from that. A couple of days later, an email was sent to Willard residents announcing that changes will be made to the programming, um, including the removal of grass skirts, lays, and hula competitions, and thanking the quote-unquote residents who rightly raised concerns. Um, once again, the email also included the event's history in the residential college since 2003, as if like tradition is supposed to make it better, right? And so ultimately the annual event was changed to a Willard Beach barbecue and then featured things like cornhole, water balloon toss, and um, limbo. Yet I feel like for me, this isn't necessarily the happy ending I think about when I look back on this memory. Although um, these changes definitely were long overdue and had to be made. Um, instead, I feel like my heart grows very soft for the people and like the specific community spaces that um, supported me, um, particularly when I was trying to come into my critical consciousness and my political identity. During that week, I met with my TA from my Intro to Asian Amlet class um, to talk about this, Who and they were incredibly validating, especially um, because her work focused on Pacific Islander literature. And I also felt so much love from my group chats from back home and with my friends at the Asian Pacific American Coalition. And later on, I was able to process more with various faculty at the Asian American Studies program, like um, Professor Sharman, Professor Hobart. Um, as a Japanese Filipina immigrant and who was born and raised in the Mariana Islands, I feel like I try to navigate um, with identifying being rooted um, in Saipan, my home, while also recognizing and reconciling um, with my privilege and my positionality as an immigrant and a settler. And so I feel like while my experience with the racist Luau event was a case study into Northwestern's bureaucracy and um, fuckery, I feel like, you know, it strengthened my understanding of my identity and ultimately um, my activism, my awareness of privilege, and also my connection to community here. And in many ways, right, like the story hasn't ended, right? Like the Hawaiian kingdom is still occupied by the United States and native communities still struggle against ongoing militarism and colonialism, um, such as Mark Zuckerberg's property in Hawaii to like the advocacy against the 30 meter telescope in Mauna Kea to um, the struggle for food sovereignty. And also to like current historical dynamics of Asian settler colonialism in Hawaii. But I think it's important for me to recognize how the same systems that produce these violences also produced and like paved the way for Willard's appropriative luau event. And so I feel like the way that this specific story impacts me most personally is that it helped me find my voice and community and really shaped my current activism work and vision today. Yeah, that's my story. Thank you for sharing that, Mina. Um, so like hearing that, I was shaking my head the entire time. And obviously the story is very frustrating to hear. So for you, how did it feel to revisit this experience in your life? I think, I don't know. I feel like my heart is so soft for past Mina because I feel like at the time, like I, I was so shaken up by it. I was so angry. I didn't know like... Like I was crying a lot just because I was like so stressed and I didn't know like 
if I was doing the right thing and I was having a lot of like identity crises at the time right and so I feel like now that I'm a lot more knowledgeable and comfortable and specific I think in my values I feel like I have a lot of sympathy and tender feelings for me as a freshman you know because I feel like you know my heart was in the right place and I feel like it really like shaped where I am now yeah I love that you recognize your past self and are kind of forgiving yourself for the way that you Mm -hmm. acted Um, because obviously that was a very frustrating experience Mm -hmm. Um, so and I can tell Mm -hmm. through your story and what you've been saying you know, the APITA community is something that's been pretty integral to your understanding of your identity and your experiences. So um, I guess in what ways, in what other ways has this experience influenced the way you see identity and also just the way that you rely on community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's a good question. I feel like Something that the experience really made me realize is that really change can't happen without community or without people you have to support you or who also share like a similar vision and value system as you do, as you do, you know, like, I definitely feel like I wouldn't have been able to, to say anything if I didn't have like my friends at APAC or my friends from back home who also like, who also had a problem with like the flyers that I saw, you know, and so I think for me, it just made me realize how important community is in terms of impacting change. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And I I really like that you mentioned the idea of this, the, the collective and the importance of the collective. And I think um, that's something that's really special about, um, you know, getting into these spaces, like finding that community. Um, so why do you think it's important for marginalized communities to tell their own stories? So I feel like it's important for marginalized communities to tell their own stories for several reasons, you know. Um, for one, I feel like, especially for me, like, and me just like sharing my own experiences and how they've impacted me, I feel like there's such a sense of empowerment and validation and like connection building that comes from it right like being comfortable and able to share my own experiences with people who similarly find it wrong right and to build community and I think also in connected to connected to that is realizing the differences between communities so that we can show up for each other more in solidarity and recognizing, like, you know, as I did with recognizing my specific positionality as like an Asian settler, right? Like, I think telling stories is also an important way to center the people who who are most marginalized, right? And how this strengthens um, our understanding of each other so that we can show up more meaningfully to each other's movements, not in a way that's like top down being like, oh, I know, I know what you need, but being able to like listen to each other's concerns, right? And I think especially like living in the white supremacist capitalist state that we live in, that kind of shapes people's experiences and tries to define how people can live their lives to such a strong degree. 
I feel like storytelling is kind of all we have to to build community and build power and be able to to create change I don't know if that made sense yes that totally made sense um I thought that was really beautiful thank you for sharing that and I totally agree with you I think that stories are so so important and you know your story resonated with me and I really felt for you and I think that's just like that's kind of the root of stories we it, it is it creates this way that we can empathize with each other and understand each other better so thank you so much for telling your story um thank you for listening to us unscripted stories stay tuned for more episodes in honor of apita heritage month thank you for listening to us unscripted stories you can find our podcast on itunes google play and spotify support for this podcast is provided by joe scaletti emma Sullivan, saeed resco sydney hastings and jeanette rojas with support from Alicia Solier, Isabel St. Arnold, Aaron Golding, and Linda Luck. Subscribe to hear more from us.